Discover over 100 episodes of Bartholomew Town on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. For far too long, we have just made assumptions that as long as people had a place to live, it was okay. But it's so much more than that. Hi, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. Ahead of tomorrow's housing summit here in Rhode Island, we take a look at housing insecurity with the local initiative support corporations, Jeannie Cola. And we'll learn about what LISC is, Local Initiative Support Corporation, and more broadly discuss something that we've really touched on for a while here on this podcast, affordable housing in Rhode Island and how that fits into the big picture here in the state. You know, that wheel of education, workforce, environment, and of course, housing. So an important conversation coming up in a matter of moments with Jeannie Cola. All right. Support for the Bartholomew Town podcast comes from PDQ Graphics of Newport. Now, they're a full-service commercial printing company and graphic design studio, offering large and small-scale projects, and they've been doing it in Rhode Island for decades. In fact, they're going to be celebrating their 40th anniversary next year. Go ahead and check out their website at pdqri.com. And remember, you can support the Bartholomew Town Podcast simply by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on your preferred podcast app. Okay, let's get right to it. Today's conversation with Jeannie Cola of the Local Initiative Support Corporation. Been here for 30 years in Rhode Island. Not a lot of people probably know exactly who you are, what you're doing. So let's get, let's just go 36,000 foot view what's happening and who are you? (laughs) Uh, Thank you. So I am Jeannie Cola, the director of the Local Initiative Support Corporation. We are an entity that has been in Rhode Island for 30 years. And what we do is we are a corporation that connects local individuals and local organizations to the cash and the resources that they need in order to see their community develop the way they want to see it develop. All right, so you try to empower the communities. That's right. What's what would you describe as, you know, people are probably familiar with the Rhode Island Foundation or Champlin or things like that. Mm-hmm. How do you fit into that picture? Because you're a national organization. That's so how, right. how do you would you compare so, yourself? So we are similar but not the same. Uh, so we too give out grants, but more importantly, we work with the grassroots community to understand their issues and what they want and how we can connect them to the bigger, broader picture. And so we take the resources that we raise work with the community and then we figure out what's well we figure out in partnership with them what's best and how to move an agenda forward. I feel like a lot of the issues in Rhode Island now the more personally I examine them it does come back to community. You know, the more you zero in on them there's there's this it's so regionalized here but even yeah. an example in Providence we're in Elmwood now mm-hmm. vastly different challenges yeah. than on College Hill. So very different. You got to zoom in. And, and I think that's really important. One of the strategies that that our office, the Local Initiative Support Corporation, really utilizes is kind of that convening and gathering of community to then develop the action plan, to then move the agenda forward. And you're absolutely right. The communities are very different. 35 years ago, when I started my career in banking, I actually did a mortgage on Atlantic Avenue, which is right over here in Elmwood. And it was very creative at the time. It was a restore mortgage where we did home improvements and it was low income, targeted to a low income borrower. So it's just important to assess the needs in the community and to develop a response that's appropriate for and with the community. Yeah. A lot of people, when they hear the 
conversation about housing in Rhode Island, a lot of feedback comes from, well, I, you know, I pay, I go to work, I pay my mortgage, yeah. where they don't really see the reality around housing insecurity. I think that's a fair statement. A lot of people don't see yeah. the reality that not just millennials who are struggling to yep. save enough to buy a house or even pay rent a lot of times, um, anybody. It's, mm. it's a pretty broad conversation. So how would you kind of summarize housing in Rhode Island. Here we are right now, today in 2019, heading into 20. So I think housing is exactly what you just said. It is a critical issue that needs attention today. Uh, For far too long, we have just made assumptions that as long as people had a place to live, it was okay. But it's so much more than that. It's, can they afford the place that they're living? is the condition of it safe and healthy? And and how does that affect everything else in their life? And so, um, you know, not too long ago, the governor and her team had a housing forum, uh, and we were excited to participate in that and, and to see some of the thoughts and, and some of the things come out of that, like, this is something we need to address. The governor talked about a line item in the state budget, which we've said for a long time, but it's clearly necessary. We need predictable, reliable funding to address the housing shortage because the housing shortage in Rhode Island is real. We're short about 34,000 change units of affordable housing, housing that's affordable for people at all levels, uh, and we're not producing enough. And so having those resources, critically important to seeing um, – things move forward. So so where would you say the conversation really starts then inside the General Assembly? Is that where a lot of the pressure needs to be put? I, I mean, I think it's really all of us, right? So yeah. it's, it, yes, it's a policy issue. Yes, it's a funding issue, but it's also a business issue. How do we attract and retain qualified employee, employees for the employers we're trying to attract if we don't have an environment that is affordable and healthy for folks to live in. So it's all of us. It's how do we think about it differently? Right. It's like that circle, education. Right. You know, then that's the work that creates a workforce that creates an employee, employer force. And then that trickles down to other aspects. Where does it start? And, and we can't be afraid to think about different ideas and different solutions, right? So historically, we've had a lot of subsidy sources and a lot of resources that are targeted for owner-occupants, right? Thinking that if an owner is occupied and they receive the benefit, it's going to be long-lasting and most beneficial. But we're leaving out a whole section, right? We're leaving out the investors. Now, I'm not saying give investors a giveaway, but why not incentivize them to put three levels of housing on a storefront on Elmwood Avenue where there's infrastructure and there's already a structure there, right? How do we look at it differently right. to come up with different different solutions? Definitely. As an artist, especially living in New York, but even here now, you know, yeah. in Providence, in this loft, you know, I've seen a lot of creative solutions to right. living and also living comfortably and within, I guess, the hierarchy of needs, satisfying at least those base yeah. needs. And yeah, it does require outside of the box it thinking, does. no doubt. How could you do even, it otherwise? Even from an employer perspective, right? right? So we have employers within our state who are great corporate citizens, but how do we think beyond just the grant dollars, which were incredibly important and incredibly needed, but what about the the benefits they offer their employees, right? Can we think differently about what those benefits look like? Hmm. Should there be a housing benefit? Should there be, you know, a different type of benefit, a student loan reduction benefit, something that's different that could create opportunities for the future? 
Fascinating. And, and retain employees. That's a big time statement right there. Right? Reevaluating benefits. I've never heard anyone throw that out there. What an interesting concept. Why not? Yeah. Why not think differently? Let's talk about the housing summit and I guess some of the personalities in the state that are coming around this issue constantly. I mean, you know, there's so many aspects to it. The homeless challenge, mm-hmm. you could start there. You could look at people who are concerned about a fame tower going in mm-hmm. while, you know, we have a lack of housing stock in South Providence. Um, you know, there's those conversations, but broadly speaking, you know, who are some of the leaders that, that consistently in this state have kind of been at the table generally aware of this housing crisis and trying to move the yeah. stakeholders forward? I mean, I think I, I think I'll get myself into trouble if I, <laughs> yeah, if I start naming names yeah, and leave list, people right? out, right? Here's the list. Be you're on the naughty list. You're person? on the nice yeah. list, right? <laughs> Given the holidays. But I think, I think the answer, more generally speaking, is it takes all of us, right? And so whether we've been at the table for 10, 15, 20 years, or we're new to the table a week, two weeks, a year, it takes all of us to move an agenda forward. We want to be inclusive, we want to be smart, and we want to be strategic because we do only have a limited number of resources and we want to make sure that we're utilizing those in the best, most effective way. So having everybody at the table is the way we do that. Yeah. And being in, you know, constant communication about it too, I guess. So it doesn't you know, right. lose focus. And that's really why I think the Homes RI Coalition is so important, right? It's bringing uh, folks together around a really uh, unified agenda uh, and so that we're speaking in one voice because I think part of the, the challenge historically has been with a lot of different people with a lot of different agendas, you don't necessarily get the outcomes that you're looking for because you have 10 different people pushing 10 different things. But through this coalition, which LISC is a part of, we have very much participated in the discussions around how do we move an agenda that speaks to all of us where we all have a say in that agenda mm. And kind of move it so that our legislators and our, you know, the governor's office, et cetera, hear one set of priorities, not competing priorities. Mm. Yeah, pushing the boulder up the hill is a lot easier if you've got an army doing it, I suppose. Um, the homes are a policy platform. That's kind of where we're at right now. Let's let's take a look at that and that and that sort of unified approach. Where's that data been mined from? Is that how how wide a tent is? Oh, the tent is wide. It's pretty wide, right? It's yeah. wide. It's inclusive, and the data comes from you know point in time, uh, the point in time uh, kind of data that comes out of the Coalition for the Homeless. It comes from the Housing Works book. It comes from comprehensive state plans. It's a whole array of, and then it's the experts that are what I would call experts sitting at the table, having that day to day knowledge because that's the. That's your craft. That's your work. That's what you're doing every day. And so, you know, I think that's where it comes from. And I think, um, you know, that's how we try to move it forward. Mm. I don't really know if I answered that question exactly, but... Pretty good, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, you know, if there's just from your perspective, from your vantage point right now in terms of attracting industries from, I guess, from the banking perspective Mm -hmm. and piecing that together, you know... Gotham yeah. Greens is here, and we see the Wexford buildings starting to fill up a little bit. I guess that's not actually a fair statement. They're about half full. Um, so new ideas are starting to come here. My wife goes to RISD, and we, yeah. she's not from Rhode Island, and oftentimes she'll talk about it. Where's the, you know, where are the, the, the new industries? Why aren't they here in Providence right now? And then wouldn't that, as we suggest, maybe help to solve some of the housing challenges? Do you see 
from your perspective, what are the greatest needs to bring new industries to Rhode Island and, and kind of create an ecosystem that would help your cause a lot yeah, easier? Yeah, I mean, I think jobs and housing go together. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to focus on policies that, that certainly um, encourage new economies and new employers to come to the state. I also think it's important to... Um, to really see the connection between the two. Um, I, I believe that housing is a fundamental and a foundational issue. You can't sustain or create or have a job if you don't have a place to go home to every night and not worry about where you're going to lay your head down, you know, where your kids are going to do their homework and are you living in a healthy environment. So, so I think Jobs are important. I think the governor has really put a, a focus on real jobs and, and some of those great strategies around workforce development to make sure that we're training a workforce for the jobs that are here to be sure we can make the connection. But I do think housing is fundamentally foundational. Is it something that is often when, you know, you're in a meeting with someone, is it some, when people list off the problems in Rhode Island, do you find housing jumps out often or is it something that gets kind of lost in the shuffle? Yeah, historically, no. Uh, but I do think today, more often than not, if you say it out loud, somebody will acknowledge it. And that's a step forward. Mm -hmm. uh, in the past, people didn't necessarily acknowledge it. But I think, you know, the reality is, is when you look at the Housing Works Factbook that was just released, and when you have an income of $50,000 and you can't afford to, to buy in the state of Rhode Island, that's a challenge, right? You've got to get over that $70,000 threshold in order to be able to buy in Rhode Island. So, so we need to be sure that we have housing opportunities and housing options for people at all levels of income, right? Right. Housing insecurity is not a good thing. Right. There's some dynamics right now in Newport, for example, and I guess broadly on Aquidneck Island where you see yeah. this massive um, infusion of hotel development and really at the the Airbnb system, I guess systemic breakdown that was, was there kind of getting cleaned up now. Um, so that's pushed a lot of people out of Newport, but then simultaneously you've got a place like Middletown that is way below what is the required affordable housing stock, um, not seemingly willing to budge on that. So you have communities not talking together to produce an ecosystem. How dangerous is that? Not necessarily just the Airbnb component, well, but I mean, I think it's I think it's important for for policymakers and leaders across the state to understand that housing and families are good for the economy, good for their neighborhood, and good for their community, right? Because what happens is if we inadvertently have policies that don't welcome children and families, we end up with communities that are 65, 70, 75 plus old, and we don't have an age diversification, which I think is not good or healthy for our community. So so I think it's important to really understand policies policies have impact, right? So some of them are positive and some of them are negative, but but what we do know is that children and families bring economic vi viability to a community. So we need to make sure that we have housing for people to go to work for the jobs that they have. Right. Yeah, you think about Northern Rhode Island which is so you know it's it's an aging population, yeah. for example, northwestern Rhode Island, and you can kind of feel that in the infrastructure. Yeah. It needs that infusion of new energy, deserves it. But if it's seventy grand to buy a home in Rhode Island, it's tough to have wide scale twenty six year olds moving into Lincoln. Yeah. So, all right, last area um, coming up: the next housing summit. 
Yes, December 11th. Here it comes. Here um, it is. What's today? Today's the 9th. So, yeah, so this this episode comes out on the 10th, so so it's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, let's get into it. What's that all about? What Can you kind of summarize what, the, what are the key tenants, key points it'll be on? Yeah, so the Housing Summit, uh, which is sponsored by the Homes R.I. kind of coalition, is really about listening uh, to people, to the community. There's about 250 folks registered to attend. It is sold out. Uh, and I think it's really about coming out of it with an action plan and an agenda to move forward. Again, it's hearing people, understanding what, what they're looking to achieve, and figuring out the best approach to get there. And who may be, who's attending this tomorrow? Anybody from, like, any So there is, uh, there are a bunch of stakeholders attending, and a woman from the National Low-Income Housing Coalition, Chantelle Wilkinson, and she'll be talking about uh, the connectivity between housing um, and certainly uh, areas that we're committed to. So we're looking forward to that. Um, LISC, Local Initiative Support Corporation, is uh, a funder of this event. We believe in the collaborative a strategy to move an agenda forward. So we're looking forward to uh, to the day and to see where we end up. Yeah. Well, broadly speaking, I wish you extreme luck. Uh, Thank I don't you. think you need luck. I think really you just need people continue to move forward, I guess, is the more. Yeah. And hopefully the naysayers out there will start to look at this issue from a little bit less of a selfish perspective. You know, I hate to say that as well, but yeah. those naysayers, I guess, oftentimes, you know, mm-hmm. they, they don't have a a grasp of an, or an understanding of what affordable housing means. They see it as some kind right. of, you know, handout. R- they see it as a handout, right? Handing out free houses to uh, lazy right. people or something. I mean, just the deranged yeah. impressions of it. And that's not it at all. What what housing affordability means is that you're not spending more than thirty percent of your income on your housing cost. And so we're talking about individuals. We're talking about families. We're talking about veterans. We're talking about single moms. We're talking about millennials. I live with a millennial. She still lives with me. She can't afford to get out of the basement, right? So this is about all of us at every income level and no matter where we are in the social social economic kind of circle, we need to be sure that there are opportunities for all of us. Always a great pleasure to spend some time together with you right here on The Pond. I'll be back on Friday with a brand new episode. There's over 140 episodes waiting for you anytime on your preferred pod app ripodcast.com or bartholomewtown.com and for daily content follow me on twitter at bill bartholomew and on instagram at bartholomewtownpodcast we'll talk soon